Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. Do you feel guilty for wanting more out of life? Is it possible to outgrow your current profession or relationship? And would you have to blow up everything you care about in order to make a big change? Today, my wife Allison and I pick up where we left off in the previous episode entitled The Emotionally Constipated Control Freak. In this conversation, we explore taking responsibility for what we want, the seduction of settling, and the one question that kicked me in the gut. By the way, the last show, you did a great job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Do you want to talk about how you did a great job? I don't. I, I don't recall I, the, the show before last. I thought I did a good job. Oh, <laughs> last year I was like, all right, I'm just going to okay. stay with what he I just thought do. we'd start with appreciating you. Thank you. And how magical you are. Uh, well, that is true. I'm mm. pretty awesome. And humble. I love how your humility. That's one of my best qualities, you know. Oh, you're stealing. <laughs> stealing your, stealing my your, thunder. Your, normal, your normal thing you say. Uh, okay. okay. Just focus trip. You got to focus. The last time we talked. Yes. There we were, I, I was kind of sad that we had to cut it short because it was, we were at a really nice, um, sort of point. It was it, abrupt. It was an abrupt stop. Yes, it was. I just pulled out and, um, <laughs> and, but what we were talking about, I mean, I want to just kind of review for my own memory, but also just to jog your memory of what stayed with me. Oh. One of the things that stayed with me was I was, we were talking about like relief and you were like, no, 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 it wasn't relief. It was peace. We were talking about what was on the other side of what you were avoiding. Okay. And that's a concept that uh, just, I want to name here because it may or may not come back. It seems like it would considering a lot of your life is dictated by that now. Um, like how you, how you have come to live your life is rooted in that experience that you had of like, oh my gosh, what I want or what I want is on the other side of what I've been avoiding. So that's something that stood out to me. And, and then I, the other thing that stood out was that after that happened, 
you said you weren't afraid anymore and that suddenly you felt curious. You did say you weren't afraid. Well, yeah, I want to be really clear. I'm not, it wasn't that I was, the things that I'd been afraid of, like about the world, um, certain topics, um, you know, being a, wanting to explore spirituality, those wanting to explore just even different locations on the planet. Okay. That's what I meant. That was frightening okay. to me before because it would, it was threatening to my little small worldview. I see. So it's okay. not that I was living without fear. I'm glad you are clarifying yeah. this because that, that was not the case. And I also wasn't as, I also don't think I was, I'd lost the fear of my own emotional world. Like, oh, I can't, how, what's going to happen mm -hmm. if I feel this stuff? It was more right. like, oh, well, I'll just feel, I know what that feels like. I'll just feel sad and then I'll That's feel, right. I'll feel and better then it'll again. Pass. And then it'll, but you know, today I still feel scared of feeling sad. Um, mm -hmm. but I have that experience to go back on. I was like, well, you've already been through this. You know how to feel sadness. So, yeah. Okay. 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 Well, that's, that's actually a good distinction. Cause that is something that stood out to me. So, and then you were suddenly curious and you were like consuming as much as you could voracious reader, got your hands on as much as you could. But then I remember we talked about how there was still this like split. You weren't still, you didn't just like go be a monk in a cave or you didn't just like upend your life. And so there was a piece here around, um, I remember one of the things we ended on was like being sucked into the veneer of looking good. Like the success that you were in was pretty seductive. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just want to, I, I feel curious about, um, if you can remember to be able to just go back to that point where, where you still had a really solid split going on Sure, and what you had built is, was great. I mean, it, you had a great work week life. You had a great, you had a great income. You had the girl, you had the house, you had the dog, you had the car, you had the, like you had the things right. that the overculture deems is successful and a good sign that you're doing all right. Right. Okay. So let's dive in there. So, you know, at that after that big experience that we talked about in the last conversation, I had gone in this big growth path and I was really starting to explore things and going to meditation retreats and spiritual retreats and hanging out with bald guys. And was that when, because, because where we left off was like, you were still going to rock shows and doing, being a musician and working and, and then I was in the like closet. Teach tai Chi on the side. Yes. Yeah. So was, were you these, doing the retreats? I had, on yeah. The side? Yeah. I was, I, I remember my first Vipassana retreat. And, uh, I was, I don't even think I told more than a couple of people that I was doing. I was like, where are you going? I was like, I've been going for a couple of weeks and it just sounded insane to, um, to go do that. Like who, who the heck am I, you know, what is this? I don't know what I'm getting into. How would I explain to people that I'm going to go sit on a cushion and not talk to anybody for 10 days? That was seemed insane to me. So what are they going to think of me if I tell others, you know, if uh -huh. I tell, what are they going to think? So I was living a very fragmented split life. I was very much into this growth path and I also felt pretty alone in that. I wanted to find people mm -hmm. that I felt connected with there. So I ended up with these different pockets of friends. Mm -hmm. Essentially, I had people that I loved and cared about in the music world. I had people that I loved and cared about in my professional world. I had people that I loved and cared about. And then I was starting to build some community around the growth stuff and the, the, the spiritual kind of tourism thing that I was going on and mm -hmm. learning about that thing. But they, these worlds weren't going to meet. Right. They, they were really separate. They worlds. felt pretty separate. Yeah. And that was uncomfortable. You know, essentially I had built this world and I was growing. 
And at a certain point, I started to outgrow the world I had created. But you, but before that, you were in a place of um, why change? Why can't I be grateful for what I have? And and you were getting. I mean, I if, think that was concurrent with this. It was the. It was the why. Why is this feeling uncomfortable now? Why is this feeling uh-huh. unsatisfying? And so, so there are like, I just want to kind of point out that there is a, it's, it's more like a spiral instead of some arc of like, yay, I'm free from all the pain and grief. No, and I, now I feel great and I can just go explore my life. That's like where the rom-com ends. Right. And then, yeah, you know, and then, and so, so now you're kind of in this place of this next iteration right. of next phase friction, basically well it wasn't it wasn't friction at first it felt great i had a i had a business that allowed me to do i designed this business so that i could go live my life in a certain way which was why it was really confusing when i started to feel trapped yeah it was really confusing it was like why am i feeling drained why am i feeling this it was isolation may not be the right word, but there was a sense of loneliness. Like I, like my social worlds and, and that, like who, if, if somebody, if one person actually really knew all of me, would it work still? Mm -hmm. Um, luckily I've got to burst through that and I found some, some great friends, but all of it was killing my peace of mind. Mm. And I, at the time I was beating myself up thinking that you're such a spoiled brat. You're such a dick. Mm-hmm. Just be happy with what you have mm-hmm. and shut up. Don't. And you were getting it from the outside in too, right? Like, weren't, wasn't your uh, partner at the time potentially sort of like putting a squeeze and like feeling something, sensing something? I, I, I think that that was primarily more. I look back on it now. It was just me not happy with her mm-hmm. and okay. wanting to be like, oh, she's the problem. If she would be different, then I would commit. Mm. If she were this other person, she was more yeah. like this, then I would be able to go forward. Okay. So I was in this powerless victim-y kind of position where the world was the problem instead of recognizing, hey, there's something that I want. And I, because I wasn't okay with wanting more, I wasn't okay with wanting something different. If I wanted something more or I wanted something different, it meant I was a dick. It meant I was ungrateful. It meant I was, you know, insatiable or, you know, there's some kind of hole in me or whatever. And, and it was, it was really healthy to just recognize, Oh, you've grown a lot and Mm -hmm. the life that you created and the life that you built doesn't fit anymore. You built it from a completely different mindset and you built it to serve a part of yourself that you've since grown you know, you've since grown from. So I, I see this a lot in the guys that I work with. They feel this guilt that they want to change yeah. anything in their life. They think that there's something wrong and they feel like, oh, if I'm not happy in my relationship, I'm, I'm a terrible person, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just like, well, what happens if you outgrow a piece of clothing? Is it the clothing's fault? Does it mean the clothing is a bad, a bad, you know, piece of clothing? It just means that it's not a fit anymore. And it helped me to to look at it through that view. I started to realize, oh, it wasn't personal. It wasn't a judgment against me. Um, It made sense that I would want to change some things in my life and explore different areas and want to uh, move into different arenas because I had grown so much on the inside that it made sense that I would want to shift how I lived on the outside too. But I don't, I can't imagine that you got to that place on your own because you were in such a state of friction that you, you know, the, why can't I be grateful for what I have? I can't believe I'm like wanting what I wanting to be where I'm not when where I am is so great. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm describing what it sounds like on the other side of it. When I was in it, it was me bitching and complaining and um, building a case against things. Kind of getting critical about everything. Yeah, my my go-to is to become critical and here's why this isn't working. Here's why this is blah, blah, blah. So it's not me being a jerk for wanting something different. It's that this is inadequate. Right. Which is not true of either. It's like, I'm not a dick for wanting something else. And, 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 and nothing's and, and this, not wrong. And this thing's not wrong or inadequate. It just, we're not a fit anymore. And, I, <laughs> and so at that time, that was going on a lot. But I was spending most of my time focused on what was missing. I was spending most of my time focusing on what was inadequate or wrong, wanting to build a case. And it was, a, that's drama triangle stuff. I was being, playing the victim, essentially mm-hmm. like poor me, mm-hmm. but then also persecuting, like pointing the finger, here's why you're not a mm-hmm. good person. And then well, hoping something was going to come along and rescue me. I wasn't taking responsibility for that. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't saying, Hey, if I want something to be different, then I've got to be the one who takes responsibility. Yeah. And that, I mean, I want to be clear that that's like, that's, a, that's a certain level of human development too, that you're speaking of, of, of personal development, the desire to point the finger and the desire to do the drama triangle, like make things wrong or make things bad or villainize things. That's a way to blow things up. And it's just, it's what you're doing is it's, it's, it's a creative, it's not necessarily the most creative or most efficient or most responsible or most adult, but it is a way where ultimately if you keep it up, something's going to give, somebody's going to be like, fuck this. Or somebody's going to be like, I've had enough. I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to do business with you like this or whatever it is. Ultimately, it does get people what they want. But that so I just want to name that that because you are on this trajectory of growth. And so, you know, there's all these lines that are happening. That's one of them. And so playing the victim, I don't, that wouldn't be my words, but I hear you say that. And, and being the victim, like, essentially like poor for, me. Not recognizing that you actually have all the, all the power, all the ability in the world to To make it different. And that shifted. I actually remember the moment it shifted. I was on the phone with my, my, um, good buddy, Alex, and I was sitting in my car and I don't know what shifted, but I just started saying, you know what, you know what I want? Mm -hmm. And I I remember I had like this flow state. Mm -hmm. And I was so tired of hearing myself, bitch. And I was so tired of hearing myself. I was so bored of just like, oh, here I go again with this script Mm -hmm. of what's not working and what's Mm -hmm. not right. And what's Mm not, I was just like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And if it was liberating to just say, you know what I want? And I just started describing. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be in a relationship where I felt challenged and I had a peer and I had a, a somebody who got me and really cared for me for who I am and didn't w- only want me to be a fraction of who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted to, I wanted to feel like I really had an ally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to, I want to have somebody, I want to be in a relationship where I feel like we're having fun. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like we, we both enjoy sex and we both enjoy sex with each other. That felt outlandish. Like it wasn't, sex wasn't transactional. Like, well, mm-hmm. if you treat me well, I'll give you sex kind mm-hmm. of thing. I just went down. I was like, I want to, I want to do work in the world where I feel like I'm actually building people up. Mm. Cause if we remember like talk last yeah, time, it was, was really, yeah, we were ending people's typical. careers. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. And it was, uh, it, it just, it, I, I just went on and on. I was like, I'm going to be part of a community where, you know, I'm being challenged and I'm being seen and, and blah, blah, blah. I just went down this list. It just like, I vomited this mm. and it felt wonderful. 
And, and then it was like, Oh, and now and, what? <laughs> yeah. But, and, and before you weren't letting yourself have that state of mind, you weren't letting yourself feel those things. So it wasn't okay to want something. That's what I mean. Right. So did you have like a backlash? Did you have sort of like a rubber band snap back after that, where it was like, Oh, I, I was, can't believe I just said all that. Well, I don't think I had a backlash, but I did. Re- I did. It, whenever we step into that phase, um, David Emerald calls it the creator mindset. We step out of victimhood mm-hmm. and we step into what do I want, mm-hmm. which is the creator mindset. Mm-hmm. Then it, we start to recognize that there's a gap between where we are and where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And he calls that tension that we feel there dynamic tension, right? So if you imagine putting, mm-hmm. putting a, a rubber band between your two thumbs and you stretch that, the farther apart mm-hmm. those two thumbs are, the, the greater the tension. I think I felt that tension. Oh, if I want those things, hmm, what, what something's got to change. I've got, if I want those things and I'm going to take responsibility for things, then, then i I could feel the, the tension of taking responsibility. This is up to me. Mm-hmm. It's not up to anybody else to figure out what I want and deliver it to me. This is up to me. I, but I, I don't remember backing down from that. I remember being a little excited. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you'd it, been in the frustration and split for long enough, I imagine. Right. The discomfort of right. the, like, wait, this is not, this is too exhausting to try to keep these compartments the way they are. Right. And I, if anything, there was a, I was starting to get that it was okay to want things. Mm-hmm. And that didn't mean that I was wrong. And I see this across the board when I work with people, it's just like, I, I love my wife and I... I'm still yes. attracted to this person over here. Yes. I would long to have sex with that person. I remember early on in our relationship yep. where, oh my gosh, I still have sexual attraction <laughs> yeah. for other women. That means I'm a, I'm, that must mean I'm a terrible I'm husband. A terrible person, and yeah. I don't, it was just these having desires meant I was bad. And yeah. I, I got this or place or, yeah, or hurtful or something. And I, this was just this, it was great to just recognize I can have these desires and they may change as soon as I say them, it might be just like, they're gone. Yeah. I don't really right. have them anymore, but it was great just to be like, okay, thanks. Good mm-hmm. to know. And I would journal them or write them down or whatever. But I, it started once I got into that place, I remember I could start to piece the things together and I was, what do you mean piece the things together? Well, just start to see that it wasn't out there and it wasn't unattainable. Right. You know, one of the first times I heard about coaching, I, I'd gone on this uh, men's retreat down in um, Costa Rica and was having a conversation with this guy. And, and he was like, you know, you sh- are you a coach or have you ever heard of coaching? And I was like, no, what is he? He's like, man, you, you'd be, you just seem like really natural as that, you, you know, you could get paid to essentially have these kind of life changing conversations with people. Boom. Mind blown. It was like, really? You could do that. And so it was, it was the seeds were starting to get planted mm-hmm. of what a life beyond what I was living could look like. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was the scary part is I didn't have a vision. I didn't see the perfect plan or the safe plan. Cause remember, I'm trying to avoid being uncomfortable. I'm trying to avoid any risk to my time or energy or money. And I certainly don't want to look like a failure. I don't want to look like a dumbass. So that's all happening at the same time, Mm -hmm. but little seeds are starting to get planted. I'm starting to look around and say, well, how are others creating their lives in alignment with this? And, uh, it would just be, that's where my curiosity started to go. What else is possible? Yeah. And, and the thing that I'm aware of, you know, it's a, it's like an old Tony Robbins quote, quote, I don't remember the exact thing, but there it's like your life, the way it is today is a consequence of choices that you have already made in the past. Like it's all your past decisions is, is like, that's led you to right here, right now, what your life looks like right now. And so what I'm hearing is like, you finally opened up 
from like, this is how it is. This is the box that I'm stuck in to, wow, I've created this box. I don't want to hurt anybody. And I, I should just be grateful for this box that I'm, that I'm in to like, wait a minute, I made this box. And I, now I know that there's something beyond the walls of this box. And I can now finally be in touch with figuring out, uh, learning more and figuring out how I might want to create the next, um, plat, you know, plateau or box or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I think the way to describe it is I went from being defensive to curious. Mm-hmm. I, there's plenty of people that I talk to like, yeah, I'd love to do this X, Y, Z. And they're like, but I, I just don't see a way. It's like, have you looked? Mm-hmm. And they haven't even looked. Yeah. They haven't even looked. <laughs> right? Yeah. They haven't even done a Google search. And the reason why is they don't want to be challenged. They're still in this defensive position of, I've got to protect what I have. Understandably, well, understandably. Yeah. I mean, and I want to speak to the understandably too, because that, I mean, I think that was living in you too. I'd love to hear if that's, if this is true or not, but there, the thing that I see ugh, so much is, is like, I have to blow everything up. That's the, that's the myth. <laughs> I have to leave it all behind or I have to just say goodbye to it all or nobody could possibly grow with me or come with me or join me on this adventure. They wouldn't possibly want that or like that. Therefore, I just have to put everything to bed to rest. And, and, and so, you know, this is a, it's a crucial juncture you're at here with realizing it is up to you realizing that you have outgrown what's around you, but also really still embracing a lot of what is around you. Yeah. And I think that's where it was helpful to get, um, get out in the world and look at things instead of continuing to live in my little box and feed the story that my, or feed, get fed from my fears. So that's where the, the retreats increased. Just being in touch with people and seeing that there was a different way of living. I was living, you know, in a small town and living in a, a a really safe environment in that way. There wasn't a lot of outside. uh, I had to, I had to push myself and go outside and like, and get curious about how others were doing things. And when you do get curious, you start to see that there's there's other ways to, to navigate and create your life. But yes, I was definitely afraid. I mean, if I screwed this up, it meant I would be broken alone the rest of my life. That was the terrifying yeah. <laughs> thing. But to come back to what I see a lot when the first thing that shows up when we say, Oh, I want to make a change is that we, we do believe we have to blow everything up. And if I'm not happy with what I have, it means I have to burn the whole thing down to the ground. It's typically not true. What I've seen as a coach working with others, you just tack over 10, 15 degrees usually. And it may feel like you're going 180 degrees at first, but usually you look back after it's done. You're like, Oh, Oh, I really only, that was a minor adjustment that changed a lot or changed enough. It ends up being that way, but it can feel much bigger than that when you simply start to consider other options and all those types of things. But in my case, it did. I ended up changing careers and I ended up leaving the town I was in and I ended up getting out of the relationship I'd been in, but it didn't happen overnight. And it at the time it felt gradual at the time. It felt slow. Mm, Cause um, you were anxious to already be. Yeah. That, that well, that tension, right. Mm-hmm. That tension of there's a, there's something emerging. There's a next phase of my d- development. It wouldn't let me rest essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that tension makes it pretty hard to, it's like, let's get going. I, I want to mm-hmm. ease this tension. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a hurry to that. But um, I, I think one of the things that helped me, and it was a bold conversation. It was one of those 
scenarios where where it would challenging the am I am I just here to be a nice guy and a good guy and be liked was I was having a conversation with Marcy, Marcy Davis. Mm -hmm. And I think I was doing my boohoo thing with her. This is probably before the conversation with Alex, but I remember she was, she was just like, do you, do you feel like you're settling? And I remember, I remember it it hurt when she said like, it was like, I, like I got punched in my Mm -hmm. chest or in my gut when she said that. Mm -hmm. And I was young, I was young enough in my life at the time where it was just like, it's too young to settle. It's too young to be done with this. And I think it's still true today, even though I'm 47 as I talk to you. But it, there was a sense of, yeah, settling. I, I've got so much to explore. I've got so much that I want to learn. I've got so much that I want to experience. I can't be done here. And it wasn't about accomplishments. It wasn't about, I, it wasn't about money and it wasn't about being a big deal or anything. It was just, I want to live my life. I want to... I I want to take it in. I want to experience things. And I just didn't feel done. And I, but I, and so when she asked that question, there was a, I couldn't get around. There there wasn't a maybe it was, yes, I am settling. And I wasn't okay with that. And I'm wondering, even in hindsight, I can't imagine that you had it in the moment back then, but I'm curious how in hindsight now reflecting on this part of your life, how much were you aware that this was really connected deeply to your experience with losing your mom and the experience with that, that moment on the couch and despair. Well, I, I think it was, uh, whether it was very literal or not, I remember on the, being on the couch, like I want to live. Mm-hmm. And so there were lots of, there's lots of ways to die. Right. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to have the slow death of, yeah, it's all right. Like this, like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to lull myself to sleep. And what can I do to medicate myself from that voice in my head that says, come on, buddy, go live your life. And it's something I'm sensitive to in my life now is like, am I being lulled to sleep? Yes. I'm fearful yes. of that. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's a, it's a player, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a character in the, in the play. And, uh, that is a, that can be, it can it can be a demon, but it can also be an angel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember like, I want to live. I got really clear that I wanted to live from that point on. And so it helped me understand that there was more to my life than simply being comfortable. There was more to life than playing it safe. And there was more to life than just making sure everybody liked me. And once I recognized that I was okay with that, or at least in theory that, that, that I could, you know, have these Even two just seeing that those are con- concepts, those constructs, were, right. You know? I, I started to see, well, I'm living my life in such a way where I'm defensive, right? Defensive meaning I got, what do I do to stay comfortable? What do I do to stay safe? What do I do to stay, make sure everybody mm-hmm. likes me and I'm not the jerk. Cause that was a, one of the big reasons why I was afraid to break up with my girlfriend at the time was I didn't want to be the bad guy, mm-hmm. even though it was so obvious we shouldn't have been together at that point. Right. It was just like, I don't want to be the guy that breaks up with her. I don't want to be the bad guy. Once I started to see that I was just playing this role mm-hmm. instead of what am I doing when it has me feel more alive? Am I living in that way where I have that sense of integrity? It's like my head hits the pillow and I say, yes, I'm, I'm treating myself well. I'm treating others well. And I'm, I'm moving in that direction where I feel satisfied that I'm having the experiences I want to have in this lifetime. And so that acute reflection from Marcy of settling it was, what, that punch in the chest was even though you weren't in some big extreme grief stricken state and with the big extreme circumstances, you were able to, um, really 
feel that all over again. Yeah. It helped me see that that was another way, I guess, looking back on it now is another way that that could be a form of death, which is mm-hmm. only choosing, uh, comfort, safety, and looking mm-hmm. good. Now here's where we got to be really clear. Cause without a certain bit of comfort and safety and acceptance, life is a shit show. It is chaotic. It is awful. It's a terrible place to be. Anybody that has gone through some kind of financial uncertainty or, or health problems or whatever, they're just whatever. They've been victimized in some way. They, they know what it means to be out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. to not feel safe, mm-hmm. to maybe not even be accepted or whatever. Yeah. That's not a creative place. No, That's where we feel like caged animals. Yeah. But on the other side of that, seeking more comfort, like way more than we need, seeking more security, way more security than we, than we need, uh, and seeking more acceptance. That's those are illusions after a certain point in the book. I draw a bell curve, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's just this, we need a certain amount in the middle too little and we don't function, but too much. We also don't function. And I was on that end Mm -hmm. of seeking more of stuff that I didn't really need. Mm -hmm. So, so I want to, I just want to make sure we don't demonize comfort and safety and acceptance. Cause that's not what I'm saying. I'm not what I'm saying, yeah. but it is recognizing the illusion of more comfort, the illusion of more safety, the more illusion of more acceptance or importance is not going to really, it's not going to help me have that sense of aliveness that I really want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the under the, like that's you're talking about the why change sort of question. This is all inside of the why change. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to build my life in a way that, Okay, well, you know, maybe maybe I'll move out to Colorado. I'm making some friends, and um, yeah, uh, you know, maybe maybe I could go out there and run my company remotely. And I was starting to, <laughs> I was just you know dipping my toe into these places, but I was out on the edge of the diving board. And why Colorado? Because Ken was there. Well, I I was going out there pretty regularly. I I was developing uh, friendships and community, and I really felt challenged out there mm-hmm. in the integral community, but also in, in other pockets of things. There was you know more of the men's group kind of thing that was mm-hmm. happening out there. Um, all of that stuff was pulling me out there, and I just felt really alive. And also just had a sense like if I was going to find. Uh, a partner, she was going to be there. She wasn't going to be another one of the college girls that I was going to be dating. You know, mm-hmm. I get older, they stay the same age kind of thing mm-hmm. where I was living. So. Right. <laughs> Which for a period of time worked for you. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the, the reason that I was linking the, you know, back to the punch in the chest from Marcy and back to that moment on the couch for you was that you have an ability to prioritize what really matters in life. And, and I, I know this because they're (laughs) early in our relationship in the very first year of our relationship. I have no idea what I was worrying about, but I was worrying about something, stressing about something coming to you about it, to talk to you about it. And I just remember you just looked me square in the eyes and you were like, look, there's the absolute and there's the relative. This is relative. <laughs> and it just like, shoop, it just like I was looking at things kind of diagonal cockeyed and then boop, it just made it, it just righted the lens that I was looking through in such a way where I realized like, oh my gosh, you're right. This is relative. I, I don't need to get all down a wormhole about this thing. I don't it's need so to easy to so... tell other people that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, 
headphones just came off. It really is. Because my ass is stuck in relative all the time. But hey, if you're off of it, I can remind you. But. Well, it was one of those moments of like, oh, I'm so glad I'm with you. Because <laughs> you have the ability to see it because I can't see it right now. Well, I think that's that's the benefit of being in a good and a healthy partnership to have those reminders and not get sucked in when one person's yeah. in the in the yeah and not in a non-invalidating kind of way too i mean that yeah. the world's gonna end oh my god you're right the world's gonna end it's grateful to, i'm grateful to have people well you know it's tough and what are you gonna you know we're gonna work through this yeah and you and i, I appreciate that you're able to name that you do get sucked into the relative still over Absolutely. and over yeah i know i know i know that you are even as you finish <laughs> your book and all the vulnerability of that and putting it out there but 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 it's it, like, did you turn this into a life practice? Did this, did you just have enough of these experiences starting with your mom or starting with, you know, or, or continuing with the punch in the chest and continuing with, how did you get to this place where the, you always come back, you tack back to what really matters every time? I don't know how to, I don't know what it is that you see that it, it is different. So well, not everybody has that. <laughs> People wait until they're in a midlife crisis sometimes to have this conversation of what matters, what really matters. Oh. I, I can appreciate that. I don't, I don't know how to answer your question about, I, it's just been how it, it could have happened. Like we talked about in one of the other episodes that when you, I think when there's an experience of death at an early age, there's that, that punch, you just start, it, it's really, it polarizes Mm-hmm. it's really hard to suddenly act like something is important when it's not, mm-hmm. we can get caught up in it a little while, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm always reminded, it's like, I'm watching another, I'm just watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a drama here and I can be entertained by it and I can even lose a lot of time in it, mm-hmm. but it's a TV show. It's not really what matters. So, and I can see where some people d- maybe don't have an ability to judge what really matters just because it's exciting or it's the thing of the moment. Yeah. They're raised in a consumer world. And, and I mean, like it can, it can be like that where you just get, you're so pulled off center every second of the day. But I, I'm more aware of where I still fall into the traps of thinking things matter when they don't, you know, and I talk about this in the book. I mean, there's a the big one for us is, I mean, the things that we're talking about, oh, my comfort really matters. Well, to a degree. Mm-hmm. But after that, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I had a client talking this morning about how he was getting rid of his Apple watch and he felt like a, a huge, he felt a sense of anxiety. Like, Oh no, what am I going to do without this? Right. It's like, that's what I mean. It's like, it doesn't matter, but it doesn't, it doesn't change that our nervous systems go into a place of like, oh, am I going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to have some perspective there. And the same thing was like, is my really at risk? I've talked, I don't know how many people are like, you're what at risk? Am I really at risk? Am I really it at feels risk? like I'm going to die. I was like, no, you're not going to die. You're absolutely fine. You've got money saved up or you've got this, you've got before you'd ever end up on the street or in a bus station, giving right. out a hand job, trying to pay the bills, a whole catastrophe, all terrible things would have to happen. But we convince ourselves that we're right up against death all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's nice to be able to pull back and just be like, well, it's not really true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the biggest one, and this is certainly for me is that the whole self image piece, right? Is it really true? Um, that I have to look good all the time. Is it really true that if I look like a failure to somebody or I look like a loser, I didn't look that it would be the end of the world. And it's great to, it's great to have experiences of going through those places where you fall down and you realize, Oh, the whole thing didn't cave in. It's painful. Yeah. But I, I think it's, that's where we start to develop 
that there's a, uh, a spectrum here of, Hey, this is really important. And maybe this isn't because I've been through things that were really important and really impactful. And I got through that and this doesn't really compare and I might feel it. It might still feel yeah. important right now, but I know somewhere in the back of my mind that this pales in comparison to something that I've gone through before. And so thank you for that. That it's helpful to have a better beat on you, like just you, who you are and how you've come to be, how you are. And, and now let's sort of like revisit that place where you realized you've outgrown your environment and your circumstances. You realize that it's up to you and you realize that you don't necessarily want to just burn everything in the ground and, you know, flip the bird at everybody, but, but that you do want to be in relationship with it. And it's, so it was a gradual thing. So how did you, I had, I had started, you know, I, over the course of a couple of years, essentially designed, uh, this makes it sound much simpler than it was. I designed my company so that I could run it remotely. I was lucky enough that James, the guy who worked with me, was wonderful and he could take the lead on so many things. And, um, I had support with the other guys that I worked with. I, I was really supported mm-hmm. to be able to do that. I was not an Island unto myself. And, uh, I was listening though to that call. Like, there's something else out there. I don't know if it was going to be in California or Colorado. I felt more of a call towards Colorado. And, um, I was doing that thing where I was waiting. Well, I'll wait for the green light. I'll wait for the yeah. plan mm-hmm. to arise. Mm-hmm. I'll wait for everything to show itself. And Hey, trip, it's all laid really out. Clear. Here's where, how you're going to make, open. here's how you're going to make your money. And here's how you're going to be comfortable. And here's how you're going to be safe. And here's how you're going to look good. That doesn't freaking happen. Um, but what I did, the call I did get was from our dear friend, Marcy, who we talked about, and she was <laughs> screaming at the end of the line that she had found the woman I was going to marry. Mm-hmm. And she called me on the same day, yelling the same thing, yeah. by the way, about you. And uh, even though I thought she was crazy and I dismissed that she had actually found the person I was going to marry, I did know that she, she did know a lot of cute yoga girls and... <laughs> dancers. And she knew you, she'd been in conversation. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's, let's, I'll meet this gal. And that gal was you. And, uh, maybe we'll, maybe we, we should pick it up there. (laughs) Okay. If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.